Fallout, a news podcast for geeks by geeks, where our hosts talk news headlines, comics, tech, and have in-depth discussions on all things geek. Keep calm and venture into the wasteland. Well, hello, fellow podcast listener, and welcome to Geek Fallout Reloaded, the news and discussion podcast for geeks. Bye, Geeks. I'm your host this week. My name is Chris Lockhart, and joining me on the line is my co-host in crime, Mr. Kevin Decent. How's it going, Kevin? Chris, it's going all right. It's going well this evening, but, um, you know, here here in New York, we've left out quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. This winter's not been that bad overall. Um, however, we're getting hit with snow right now that's supposed to convert into rain that's then supposed to be rain and ice mix. And I have to drive an hour and a half tomorrow morning. Oh, that sucks. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, we, we were talking all day about it at work, um, just because everyone comes from different places for work. And uh, where I sit is right in the middle of a valley. So, depending on what side you're on, you okay. could have no weather or all the weather. Um, but then uh, someone at work has mentioned that their uh, their daughter lives in Wyoming, which I consider, you know, north, mm-hmm. of course, for, for where it is. Um, and I thought that they would have similar weather to us, but because it's sort of a... Not desert, but I don't know a better word for it. Like, you know, tundra is not the right right word, but because of the landscape, they Mm -hmm. don't get the snow like we do. I don't know if it's because they're so far inland or what. So they had, you know, like 30 inches or whatever, and it shut down everything because they have plows for the highways, but they don't have plows for like the whole street or, you know, the whole city like we do. And I just thought, that's Wyoming. I, I would have thought they would have a lot of snow and have it prepared for it, but they don't. They don't know what to do for it, so they're figuring it out. Yep. But I was wondering, are there, you know, because I consider Canada to be, you know, snowy and cold mm-hmm. and icy. Are there places like that in Canada, showing my ignorance here, where, yeah, it's cold, but we don't get the snow because it's inland, because it's away from water, because you know, for whatever reason. Um. It. Well, typically, like, where Lillian is, it doesn't get that bad. Um, Like, in in B.C., like, basically on the other side of the Rockies, right? Between the Rockies and and the Pacific, it it, it gets pretty pretty warm there. Like, usually they get rain. Um, It doesn't get very cold. But when they do get snow, yeah, it's like everyone loses their minds. Like, you know, like, they'll get some snow. And then it'll, like, shut, shut them down. Um, you know, like, whereas, like, here it would be just, like, another day. Because we're, cause we're climatized to it, I guess. But for for them, they're not. I know, um, like, I, I, I had a co-worker that moved from uh, Vancouver Island uh, to, um, to where we are. And they didn't have a block heater in their vehicle. Um, really? Yeah, which is really, which is really rare uh, up here in Canada, like like where we are, like in Alberta, <clears throat> because you you know you need a block heater in the winter time. Uh, like right, yeah. like right now, my my 
SUV is plugged in for the night, so we can use it tomorrow. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's we're, we're like having a bit of a cold spell right now. Yeah, not every vehicle around here has a block heater, but there's certainly enough that I see them plugged in. Uh, and it's, it really seems like it's more... I want like utility vehicles, for lack of a better word, ones mm-hmm. that you know are going to have a plow attached to it or stuff like that. Yeah. Not your, you know, commute to work vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I apologize, dear listener, and I apologize to Kevin. I, I, I don't know if I got a cold or if it's just my allergies. I think it's because like it had been nice here. You know, speaking of weather, it had been nice. And now we're get, kind of going into a deep freeze again. So my, my furnace is running more. So I think it's just me taking in all that furnace air. It's made me all stuffy mm-hmm. for this recording. So I apologize. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, I won't mess up my voice or anything. I'll just have to blow my nose every once in a while. But yeah, like right now we got we got a little bit of a deep freeze going on. Like right now it's minus twenty five C, um, which isn't that bad. But there's also a bit of a breeze, so with the wind chill, it feels a lot colder. And I think that's most of Canada right now. I think we're all kind of getting this this Arctic air coming down. Um, but I mean, it is February, you know, like oh yeah. Not, not out of the woods yeah, yet. No, I'm even looking outside. It's that weird one where I'm looking outside and it doesn't look like any snow's coming down at all. But you yeah. look by a street light and you can see the flakes reflecting. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we so got a weird weather. Yeah, we got a bit of snow this weekend, but uh, um, yeah, actually yesterday it got really icy because uh, I think with the snow and then the wind. Um, my, like, I was actually, uh, just leaving from my dad's place and there's this little hill and I actually ended up going sideways going down this hill. I'm just so thankful there's like nobody else around. It wasn't a big deal. I was able to stop. I was able to, you know, back up a little bit and then continue on my way. But, you know, if there had been somebody coming, I might've, you know, sideswiped somebody, which would have been bad. Yeah. But anyway... Everything is all good. So, yeah, it, for this week, it'll be just Kevin and I. Uh, we're just going to be doing Geek Fallout this week. Um, Lillian and Ragnar are unavailable. So we're going to hold off on our Pop Culture Pub uh, episode that we were planning for a couple more weeks. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we're just going to carry on with, uh, with some news and discussion. Um, unfortunately, as with... It seems like every episode of Geek Fallout that we do lately, uh, we're going to start with our In Memoriam segment. Um, so I just I just seen this on one of the... Well, I didn't just see this. I saw this a couple weeks ago. But since our last recording on one of the Star Trek uh, fan groups on Facebook, that Annie Wershing, who played the Borg Queen on Season 2 of Star Trek Picard passed away January 29th after a battle with cancer. Uh, she was only 45 years old. Um, and she, and I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of Star Trek Picard season two, but she, you know, as the Borg queen, she was really good. Um, 
you know, and, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, too bad. And she was, uh, in other shows as well. I believe she was on 24 and I want to say like NCIS or one of them type of shows. Um, but yeah, she, she passed away on January 29th. Uh, next up we got, uh, composer, singer, songwriter, Burt Bacharach. Uh, he passed away February 9th at the age of 94. Uh, so he, so he had a long life. Um, and Burt Bacharach, if, if you don't, if you, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know if I know any of his music, I suggest you Google it or ask your Alexa or, you know, Siri or whoever, um, just play some Burt Bacharach. And I think you'd be surprised just how much uh, of an influence he was on pop culture. Like, his music is everywhere, you know. Um, brilliant man, uh, you know, musically. Um, and, yeah, lived a good life, but uh, sadly passed away. Uh, Kevin, what, what, uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, Burt Bacharach? Well, not for Backrack specifically, but um, how you're mentioning, you know, people might say, oh, I don't know any songs from him. And then you hear the songs and, of course, you know all of them. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's one of those artists. But I got to think, I'm like, why do we keep doing that? And I thought a lot of it is when we were growing up with, you know, well, MTV, you know, I had MTV in the States. Um, you guys had much music. Mm-hmm. but you got the artist and the song at the beginning and at the end of every video and a face to go with it as well. Yeah. But for our parents grown up and thus for when they listen to the radio, when we're in the car or at home or whatever, you're not hearing the artist and the song all the time. Yeah. So like there are songs that, you know, I heard through my mom, you know, because it played in the car or played while, you know, she was cooking, you know, in the kitchen or, or you know, wrapping presents, paying bills, you know, while she was doing something else. And I'm just hearing the songs. I'm not he- hearing the artist's name. I'm not getting a graphic to tell me what it is or anything. Yeah. And so I never, stuff never registered of who it is or that, oh, I've heard you know, all these songs, you know, these 20 songs that I like are all by the same person, you know, or whatever it might be. There's so much of this stuff that I didn't get that graphic. I didn't get the image to put with the sound to make, you know, a, a, something stay in my brain for it, mm-hmm. that an artist like Backrack dies and all of a sudden you realize, oh, my God, I know all of this. Yep. Like, why, why am I not a bigger fan? Why have I not paid more attention? And it's because of, you know, how I was introduced or exposed to the music there is just different than, quote, my music, you know. Yeah. And and I'm back to it again now because of, um, you know, social media, what whichever one you're on, there's so many videos that have, you know, something goofy, silly ha- happening, someone dancing, whatever, and you hear a song in the background. There are a lot of these songs that are catchy. I don't know who sings it or what it's called, though. Yeah. You know, like I, I told one of my friends, I'm like, I've, I said, uh, oh, uh, Lizzo. I said, I've never heard anything from Lizzo. He's like, you have. You just don't realize you have. Yeah. 
and he played you know five different songs. I'm like, oh, I've heard this song on Facebook. I've heard this song on Instagram, or you know, whatever. He's like, yeah, you know these songs, but we're right back to our parents' generation of because I don't have like an MTV or or whatever music channel to give me that information with the video, it doesn't sink in. Yeah, and I I'm unaware. We've come full circle with it, despite the technology enhancing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's there if you seek it out, but uh, most of us, yeah, don't really do that unless unless you know you're you know music fanatic or whatever. Yeah, but uh, I think he probably uh, got into the um, modern uh, pop culture consciousness uh, when he made an appearance. I think it was on the first Austin Powers um, when Austin is with. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Hurley, I, th- I think it's the first one, um, and they're you know on the back of a you know flat deck or a bus or something, and uh, they're going around Vegas and, and and like he and Austin looks at the camera and says, "Ladies and gentlemen, Burt Backrack," and he's playing the piano while he's singing to them while they're having a romantic dinner, being driven around Vegas. Um, but uh, yeah, but even that movie's twenty. Six years old, so yeah, but yeah, he he had a great uh, um, great Canadian. Uh, I believe he was Canadian. I want to say he was Canadian. Uh, I'm gonna look this up because I, I just put my foot in my mouth. I think um, because yeah, Burt Bacharach. Uh, Oh, no, he was American. Sorry, Kevin. He was an American composer. <laughs> um, but uh, probably, you know, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head is the one that, I, probably the one I like the most. Um, but, yeah, you know, he had a lot of great songs. Um, and last but not least, uh, on February 15th, uh, I, I've just been uh, saying these... these uh, you know, unfortunately, these people have passed away. Just in order, kind of order of when they passed away. So on February 15th, uh, Raquel Welch, actress and model, died at the age of 82. So, and you know, again, another good life. But, uh, I don't know, 82 now seems kind of young. Uh, like, I don't know. When people are living into their 90s, like, you know, William Shatner and and, you know... Betty White was like 99. Uh, 82 actually is, you know, kind of young when you think about it from that perspective. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, I think we're, we're very lucky to live uh, in the age that we live in. But anyway, Kev, your, your well, thoughts on Raquel. So people are bringing up, you know, 1 million BC. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things. I made a comment at work because it was uh it was last Wednesday. I made a comment at work. Uh, my coworker had no idea the movie I was mentioning, and I describing it to him, and he's like, "I've never seen this movie. I'll probably try to watch it." And then I go into the comic shop on Wednesday, and we're talking about it. And myself and the owner, we both have the same Raquel Welch movie that's our go-to. And that's a movie called Fathom. And 
fandom is pretty much like trying to make Raquel Welch a, a Bond type character. Oh, you know, okay. having all yeah. of her adventures and, and spy work and, you know, people shooting guns at her and fast boats and cars and, you know, beautiful scenery and she's beautiful and stuff like that. That's what it, they say that it is. What it really is, is here's an hour and a half of excuses to get her into different bikinis. Yep. And she is just drop dead gorgeous in that movie. Yep, it's just so pretty. That's you know, I, I have friends that their um, their podcast when they're discussing certain people, actors, you know, musicians, pretty women, whatever. Um, the phrase is "height of her powers" or "his powers" or "their powers." Yeah, you know, they were never as good as they were here. And for Raquel Welch, that's my height of her powers. Not any of the other movies or anything else. It's like this role is, you know, classic all time beauty for me. <laughs> Yeah, just stunning, and and so few people know about the movie too. But as soon as you do, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's just beauty on screen. Yeah, yes, she was. And geez, by the time I, yeah, I mean by the time I saw that movie, she would have been you know in her sixties. So I'm, you know, still see, you know, I'm discovering her. Uh, I don't mean this sound awful. I'm just. You know, the way the world is for, you know, I'm discovering her, quote, well past her prime. Yeah. You know, but that's when I found these movies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, very beautiful, very beautiful lady. Um, and 82, you know, like I said, it, to me it seems young, but still a good run. Um, yeah. All right, so I uh, I think we can move into the news segment. Um, so this one is just a rumor at this point. Uh, this one uh, has been floating around the last few days. <clears throat> and, and admittedly, I am not a South Park fan. I, you know, I've, I've never been a South Park fan. Um, but every once in a while, you know, they make the news and, you know, they just hit, hit get it right. I guess, you know, when they're, when they're mocking somebody. Um, so they did an episode recently where they had a couple of characters that, uh, the, the, they called them the Prince and Princess of Canada. Uh, but they're clearly, uh, uh, Harry and Meghan Markle, right? Okay. And yeah, they, uh, it was, it was very unflattering. What, you know, cause, uh, you know, as we know, uh, Prince Harry, and Maggie Mar, his wife Meg Markle, you know they've been on the news lately, like, uh, you know, with that Netflix documentary that they did, um, you know, and Harry's got that book that just came out, you know, where he's, you know, basically gossiping about his his family, um, and you know they're trying to make themselves as out as being victims, and all they want is privacy, but yet they keep doing all these interviews and and going to all these places and making all these deals. Um, you know, like Harry, you know, wrote a book basically, you know, calling out his family and, and, you know, revealing things you shouldn't reveal. And for a guy that wants his privacy, you'd think he wouldn't do something like that. So anyway, South Park did this episode where they had them, you know, uh, flying around the world doing, a. uh, they were, they called it their, the, uh, the privacy tour. So they're, so they're going around to all these places 
where nobody wants them. And, you know, they basically, you know, are holding picket signs saying, we want privacy, we want privacy. And then they go on talk shows and stuff, talking about how they, you know, they're victimized and, and they just want privacy. Um, so apparently the rumor is uh, that Harry and Meghan are thinking about suing South Park over this. Uh, but I heard today that, you know, apparently they did consult their legal team, but were advised not to. Uh, because this is what South Park does, right? Um, you know, they, they take celebrities and, and, and they mock them and, and uh, you know, change it just enough to not get sued, I guess. But everyone knows who they're talking about. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, you know... I don't know. The, again, Harry and Megan. I, I just I, I I don't know what it's like where where you're where you're at, Kev. But uh, up here, you know, we hear this a lot because you know of the monarchy. You know, uh, you know, King Charles is now our sovereign uh, in Canada. <clears throat> so, you know, we hear we hear this a lot. You know, Megan, Harry, and all this other stuff, and you know, they just seem to be attention grabbing uh, individuals who are trying to make themselves out to be victims when they're not victims and and uh, just seem to be trying to make money even though they say they're not. Um, they just want their privacy. But anyway, uh, if you haven't seen it, Kevin, there are clips on YouTube. It, it is pretty funny, the, the ones I've seen. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not a fan of South Park, but kudos to them uh, for... Uh, for doing this. So, so Kev, I, I take it you haven't seen it yet? I have not seen that one yet. I might have to look it up. Um, the the Prince Harry book, Spare, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, the, the waiting list through work is absurd. Hmm. Like, some of, some of the libraries... Can I... It's not like anyone's going to hear. Um, the rumor is some of the libraries, like, went to local bookstores to buy copies to have for the libraries because it was sold out at the publisher level. Oh, okay. Um, my mom loves royal family stuff. Like, uh, she'll, she'll read a book from, you know, a former butler's perspective and then from a journalist perspective. And then, you know, like from the point of the royal family, just to get the different, you know, views of it. Yeah. She likes Elizabeth and Diana stuff. She thinks Charles is a mess, which he probably is. Um, she'll go back to Queen Elizabeth first. Like she's just she's interested in it historically and you know that world of it. She flat out said, "Do not buy her that book from Harry." Like I, I don't want it. I don't want to read it. It's all trash. Yeah. And every interview just sounds worse. And you're right. It's it's having your cake need it too. Oh, yeah. I want to be private, but I, let me tell you extensively and on every platform I can, how much I want privacy. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And the two of them, you know, I, I wanted to feel sympathetic and empathetic and everything. And I, I wanted to care and I wanted to feel like they got a bad, you know, got put into a bad spot. They're the victims, but the more they run their mouths, the more I don't like them. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, South Park, you've got parody laws. They're not going slanderous. It's a freaking cartoon. 
like no one's taking it seriously, but you're public figures. So you got to expect to have the piss taken out of you at some point. Yep. Especially when you're so public slash wanting to be private. Now that is not where I thought you were going to go with South Park though. No, no, because I have a different South Park one for you. Okay. Well, it's okay for me. Yeah. Before, before you get into that, I just, I'll comment real quickly on the, on the Megan thing and the Harry thing. Um, well, I, it, it's come out recently, like, because she's done interviews, or maybe it was on her podcast. As I mentioned, she has this, I forget, like, a billion-dollar podcast, or I forget how much they're, this outrageous amount that they paid this woman to 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 create this boring-ass podcast where she just, you know, says she's a victim and stuff. So anyway, anyway I think it was on that podcast where she was saying, she ha- like, when she met Harry, she had no idea who he was. She had no idea. She didn't know about the royals and just how you know how important they were to the world and to the UK. But then uh, one of the journalists, because they don't like journalists, because journalists actually look into things on them. Uh, they found a blog because she apparently had a blog in the early t- uh, 2010s, um, and in this blog post she was writing about the royals and about how she how she admired him. So, she, so clearly she knew who he was, even though now. She says she doesn't. So, you know, they've been caught on a few lies a few times. Um, but, yeah, like, speaking about his book, like, I know at uh, my local drugstore, i actually seen it there. So, there, you know, like, there's still copies floating about. Um, and on the South Park uh, episode, because um, they're one of the things they're touring about is his book. But in the episode, instead of being called Spare... It's called Wah, uh, <laughs> which I thought was was absolutely hilarious. But okay, Kev, uh, what what uh, so South Park news do you got? Okay, are you aware that there's a character on the show called Token? Uh, no. Okay, they for years, at least ten, I gotta imagine. Um, I wonder if I can find this out quick. Yeah, my like I got friends that are, are South Park fans. I know my my stepsister is a big South Park fan. I just I, I don't know. I just never really got into it. But yeah, like I said, every once in a while they make it into the news, and I just think, yeah, you know, that, that's pretty funny. You know, like it's kind of great what they what they did here. All right, so they have a oh my gosh, all right, um, they have a character called Token. And okay. the whole joke is it's the only black character. Okay. So he's called Token. Here's, here's your Token black character. He debuted on the show in 2000. Okay. Yep. So, you know, not one of the main four kids, but, you know, a, a constant character on the show. And, yeah, I mean, just like like I've watched some of it. I probably watched, you know, the first year or two, you know, religiously mm-hmm. and then i've just seen some here and there over the years so token gets debuted in 2000 whole the name is joke like oh we got our token black character and you know they're they're in south park so they're self-deprecating with it like yeah we didn't have any black characters now we do so we're just gonna flat out call them token yeah then they do an episode where Stan's talking about Token. Stan's father's over at the house, and Stan's father says, why did you name him Token? 
Like, what a terrible name for a young black kid, Token. Why did you do this? And Token's dad says, well, because we're huge Lord of the Rings fans. Okay. And he says, wait, his name's Tolkien, not Token? It's like, yeah, why would we name our kid Token? That's horrible. Why would you think that's a name? Yeah. His name's been Tolkien all along? Yeah. Haha, ha, it's a funny joke. Yeah. South Park went back and changed every single reference to his name in every episode to Tolkien. Hmm. They retconned, gaslit, whatever, yeah. the entire series to make it match this new joke. His name was Tolkien. Yeah. That's what the name was. But now that they have this Tolkien humor here, they went back and changed all of it, except for Stan, who really thought his name was Token. Yeah. Anytime Stan references him, the closed captioning everything still says Token. Every other closed captioning going back to his debut in 2000 has been changed to Tolkien. Huh. Just to mess with the viewers. Yeah. That is commitment to a joke. <laughs> yep. That and... and... I guess in today's day and age, you know, with cancel culture and everything, maybe it's a way of covering their butts. Because um, I'm, I'm actually going to use this as a segue into uh, the next news article I got. Because when, when we're talking about rewriting things, um, and, you know, because you work at the library, you probably heard this. Uh, apparently, they're going to be censoring uh, Roald Dahl books. Um, they are going back and they're going to be changing some words that are used in Roald Dahl's uh, novels, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, James and the Giant Peach, all those kind of all those books. Um, so anyway, this is from CNN.com. In a lengthy report published on Saturday, British newspaper The Daily Telegraph revealed that it had found hundreds of changes across the author's many, many children's books. Close analysis by its journalists revealed the language relating to gender, race, weight, mental health, and violence had been cut or rewritten. This included removing words such as fat and ugly, as well as descriptions using the colors black and white. Journalists working on the piece found 59 changes in The Witches alone, with hundreds more discovered in Dahl's other popular books, such as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Matilda. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. Uh, you know, this is just my opinion. I don't like the censorship of older books. Um, you know, Dahl, uh, died in 1990 at the age of 76. Um, and, and I think if you, if you're going to publish new additions to this book, maybe just put a little warning at the front of the book or, you know, maybe make it, you know, T for teen or whatever. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think going back and rewriting, you know, someone's words, uh, I, I don't think is right, you know. Um, and Roald Dahl, you know, he was from a different time, uh, you know, when you could say things like fat and ugly and, and uh, you know, 
things like things of that nature to describe characters. Um, like I'm sure you know Augustus Gloop was referred to as a fat kid. I'm sure uh, because he kind of was. You know, like I, like it's it's you know you know the time it was written. You know, like I I just think if if you're gonna be you know doing new additions to the books. You know, maybe just put a, you know, like I said, read a T for Teen or, you know, put a little preface at the uh, uh, at the beginning of the book explaining, you know, this was written during a different time when certain words were, you know, more uh, socially acceptable, which they're not now, you know, you know, warning, you know, or whatever. Uh, but don't, but I really don't think changing you know, an author's words is, is a good thing. Um, but Kevin, what are your thoughts on this? So there are things with older writers, Yep. you know, speak for writing from a certain location, writing from a certain time, writing from certain political, you know, whatever mindset, whatever you want to say. As the years and decades go on, this stuff, you know, there's there's problems. It's like, oh, geez, that's we got a really good book here, but there, there's something really problematic in this section here. Yeah. Okay. Well, why is it problematic? Is it important to the story? What's going on here? You know, and and there's some stuff that can be changed or adapted for new formats. Um, for example, here, I just had it up. Let me... Okay, in the original Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory, the Oompa Loompas were black pygmies from deepest, darkest Africa. Yeah. Now, when you're filming the movie... Yeah. This... We can change this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Does it change the actual story at all? No. Not at all. But it is like, all right, hey, when that was written, you know, it's it, it happened this way it's written. But as we're filming the movie, whether Gene Wilder one or Johnny Depp or whatever else comes later, like, hey, this let's kind of change this part. Yeah. It doesn't change the story at all, but it is problematic if we put it up there like this. Yeah. Um, apparently, Doll. And, and considering his age and where he lived, you, you can see it. But um, there was a bit of anti-Semitism at some point, mm-hmm. and he apologized <clears throat> later in life. Yeah, we've seen this. We've seen this a lot with certain people that grew up at a certain time, or not grew up, but were you know alive or at a certain time. And sidebar, boy, once you see the characters that are purposely like. A, a hateful Jewish stereotype, but they're not calling it that. Like once you see one in pop culture, literature, movies, whatever, it, it's glaring. You wonder why you didn't pick up on it before. Yeah. And you wonder how they get away with it in some of this stuff, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so there's certain things that I'm okay with. I'm like, all right, we've changed. We've gone beyond this. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, use these words, use these characters, use certain things. And Black Pygmies, that's a huge one. I'm like, no, let's change it. But the stuff they're changing in the dull books makes no sense. Because I was going through the list, 
and like we haven't gotten phone calls about it or anything yet like we did for the Dr. Seuss stuff a year or so ago maybe two years now but um they're okay we're gonna use tiny instead of small why or 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 use small instead of tiny or whatever it was yeah why because you think kids are dumb you know oh we're gonna change this we're gonna change this the stuff makes no sense and isn't consistent anyways but when you realize that the publisher for the the doll books because he's long past Mm mm-hmm has their deal with Netflix, like, oh. Oh, yeah. I can absolutely see Netflix pushing for these changes for whatever they're working on, because we know Netflix makes no sense for their decisions. Well, and, like, I, and the thing is, like, when you do, when uh, these books are going to be, like, on something like Netflix, of course, when they do the new editions, it'll have a little thing, you know, at the top or the bottom of the books, you know, new, you know, new series on netflix yep um and i mean yep. I, and i'm okay with changing things when you adapt them like you know for a movie tv show that sort of thing but when it comes to uh, you know someone's written work um and it was originally published in that way i think you know like i said like you know maybe do a, a warning at the at the beginning of the book uh put a warning label on the book just say you know you know please read you know the preface um and have somebody explain you know like he used these words that you might may find offensive um but you know i just i i really i I, it's a slippery slope i i really think it is like i know uh nowadays it's um harder to hide these changes you know like someone's gonna figure it out but you know it just makes a person wonder you know like you know growing up uh you know shakespeare you know like there's a lot of his plays and so on that people think were altered um over the you know centuries and even even the bible you know like the oldest uh you know best-selling book there is on the planet and you know it's been altered so much over the course of history that you know what can you trust in some of it right um and i mean the bible's you know like if you're talking about a book that's gets pretty dark that's a pretty dark book um but i definitely don't think that anyone should be changing it like it's it it is what it is you know like it's part uh, part of our history um and like doll and, and all these other guys you know i mean it's not just doll like i mean uh you, you know you could have other writers like you know whether it's arthur c Clarke or harlan ellison or you know I, uh mark twain you know I, I i don't want any of their their works being altered for a modern audience i think it's you know, it's insulting. I, I, I think uh, to do that to the to the it's insulting to the artist, and I think it's insulting to the reader. Um, again, just write a little preface at the beginning, or or do a whole essay at the beginning of the book explaining you know what's going on here, and you know, and, you know, this is your trigger warning. Well, you know, like 
what's wrong with just continuing what we had when we were kids? Here is the abridged, simplified edition for children to read and enjoy. Yeah. Okay, great. There is that one for younger readers. And, you know, stuff is shortened, some words are changed, whatever, yeah. making it easier. But the original text is still there. And it's not there as, quote, for adults. It's there for people that can read at that level or with that intelligence, yeah. whatever it might be. But here is a smaller, easier, less offensive, safer, air quotes there, yeah. version for someone else to read. But it's right there on the cover. Here's an abridged, shortened, you know, easy, like it spells it out right in the cover. Here is the one for younger readers, pretty much. You know, here's the, again, safer, because I can't think of a better word right now for it. But the original's still there, usually from the same publisher, usually on the same shelf. Or maybe it's, in, you know, maybe one's in the kids section of the bookstore and one's in the adult section. Yeah. See, but that that would, I'd be okay can, with. Yeah, you can still get the actual one. Yeah. But but doing this, and, I mean, changing it without telling, like, because, I mean, it, this was journalists figuring this out. You know, that yeah. I don't agree with. You know, like, hiding it and just thinking people won't notice. Or, or um, this movie has been edited for TV broadcast. Yeah. You know, you know, some is for time, some is for language, some is for content. Okay. The VHS, DVD, whatever, is still out there for me to watch unedited. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the... No writer feels like a book is done until, you know, the deadline for it, and they have to give it up and hand it off. Yeah. You know? And you, we've seen concert writers. Oh, I wish I could go back and redo that book, but it's been out there for years. I'm moving on to the other thing. Yeah. You know, um, and, and some do change it. Uh, Douglas Adams, uh, every new version of Hitchhiker's Guide, he'd go in and tweak a little bit. And that, the, and I'm cool with that. I mean, if it's the writer doing it, and this is his his uh, you know playground, if he wants to go in and rearrange the equipment. I, that's cool with me. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and or an adaptation. Hey, uh, this doesn't translate from pages to screen that well, so we're going to just mix up a couple things. That's fine. They're two different formats. Yeah. I get it. You know, um, and, and there's some... Did you end up seeing Wakanda Forever? I've seen or the first. Yet. I've seen the first hour. My wife and I started it, and then I can't remember what happened. I think our, I think the grandbaby came showed up, so we had to okay. push pause, and we haven't got back to it yet. Um, this take on Namor. Yep. Polynesian, I think. Yep. But you know, island nation. Um the way that they um, attach him to certain things going on in the surface world, you know, give him a reason to, for, to be angry. Mm -hmm. It works. It really works. Yep. That version of Namor looks really cool. They explain him away and give him more of an origin than he ever got going back to the thirties. 
What's yep. his deal? Oh, he's from Atlantis, and he hates the surface world. What else? That's it. Yeah. All right. So we get this new version that's really cool looking. But if you like the comic version of Namor, whether as hero, villain, <clears throat> businessman for a bit in the 90s there, I still don't understand why. You know, um, X-Men sometimes, Avengers sometimes. Like, whatever you want him to be all still exists there. And no one went back and changed anything in any of those comics. We have a totally new story you can read if you enjoy it. But no one altered any of the other stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, absolutely. Like, um, with the, you know, like, the... the 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 thing of it is like 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 I said like with with adapting something like you know changing the Oompa Loompas, understandable absolutely understandable, mm. and same with Namor like it you know like the movie version you know makes sense looks cool, um, you know I mean, you, you know people, um, say you know like what you know uh com you know, you know kind of going off a tangent here but like comics you know back in the day were you know whitewash. You know, there's just white guy, you know, white people in the comics. It's like, well, yeah, because that's who was making them. You know, like, you know, um, back then, you know, like they just it was a, some you know white guys that envisioned Namor as being a white guy. You know, like you, you know, no. I mean, he was half half human. Um, so like his people, I think, are blue, like typical normally. Um, but uh, he was human looking because of, because of his mom or no because of his dad because his dad was a sea captain i think if i'm remembering correctly um but i don't mind you know i don't mind changing and, and adapting to the times you know um you know like dc for example you know like uh i think having jason momoa as aquaman was uh amazing you know jason momoa is a great guy super cool guy uh, you know, he's one of those guys that you just want to go have a beer with. Like, you just know he'd be super cool, super nice. Uh, so them adapting Aquaman, uh, to fit his, you know, physique and, and, you know, mold, I guess, like skin tones, hair, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm cool with that. Like, I, I think he, you know, but again, like you said, Kev, you know, you can still go back to the comics. You can still get your blonde, you know white-skinned Aquaman, you can also get the Peter David, long-haired, hook-hand Aquaman, too. You know, like, there's... All that is still there. Um, well, well, and we... Like, really, in a lot of ways, this is the first generation... That, yeah, because we're the Star Wars first generation, really. Mm -hmm. um, to have this obsession with pop culture, too. Like... Do you think that anyone cared if there was a different version of Scarlet Pimpernel? You know? Yeah. Um, oh, boy, they they really changed up this Shakespeare play. Every time you see Shakespeare, it should be different because your hmm. interpretation, the way you're acting, like it's a living, breathing thing for it. Yep. It should be different. So stuff, literature, media stuff changes it evolves, but we with this, like, you know, a, a lot of it goes to start with Star Wars, really, um, as here's a pop culture to obsess over. Like, 
we watched Adam West Batman and loved it. Yep. But when our parents' generation did, it was like, oh, here's a cool, funny thing on here today, and hopefully I catch the part two tomorrow. And that was it. There wasn't a further thought about it. Well, how does it tie into comics? No one gave a shit. Yep. Well, does it tie into previous cartoons? No one cared. Well, is this a true Batman? No one cares. I'm entertained from 8 to 8.30. Yep. That's all that it mattered. But somehow with Star Wars becoming, you know, first the, the merchandising and the collectibles and the toys and, you know, having, you know, everything in your room decorated for it, we also got into this, like, no, this is what the story has to be and how does it fit into continuity and how does it do this and how does it do that? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. So a a lot of these stories, if they're altered in sensible ways, it doesn't really matter. Like we're saying, oh, the movie had to change this for these reasons. Okay, well, that makes sense. Namor evolves as a character over Aquaman is evolving over the years as a character. But to just willy-nilly just certain words for no good reason and i really think it's like netflix saying oh well these words might be problematic and we're netflix and we now own the publishing rights or have a deal or whatever mm-hmm. so we want stuff changed that's all that i think it is yeah i think it's netflix wants their version of it out there to the detriment of the other ones yeah and you know maybe maybe that's maybe i've talked myself into where my line is if an artist is changing it, even if an artist is changing another artist, a director changing a writer's work, you know, something like that. If an artist is changing another artist for art, then I can roll with it. Yeah. If a corporation is changing the art for a reason, then uh, I have an issue. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with that. Like, like I said, like if you're adapting something like i totally understand having to change things having to you know take liberties um and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't you know Mm -hmm. um you know i i don't really like the danny devito penguin you know to be honest with you never did but um you know i i see where tim burton was going uh my you know i still think of burgess meredith as you know the perfect penguin um, and now they got, oh, I love, yeah, they got, uh, sorry. uh, Colin uh, Farrell's version it actually is really good too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the gangster version too, but, um, I love the guy that played him on Gotham. I yes. Great version of Penguin. Oh, I can't remember that guy's name. He was on, I uh, the walking dead him, but... for a few episodes. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, I just yeah, I don't I don't like fundamentally changing the words of the the original text, you know, and and trying to do it, uh, you know, without being noticed. I just, you know, it, it's censorship that I don't like, you know, like, and to be honest with you, I I hate I'm trying not to get political here, or sound like a conspiracy guy. But it really sounds like something that they would have done in the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany, you know, like uh, censoring material or banning it altogether. Um, you know, in certain certain respects, I think, you know, obviously some material should be banned, you know, if it's, um, you know, showing a crime or, or, or something to that nature. Uh, 
Um, but if it's Roald Dahl, you know, James and the Giant Peach, like, I, I really don't think we should be censoring that. Um, and, you know, with, you know, in secret, like, you know, like, like you said, you know, do a kid's version if they, if they really feel that strongly about it and, you know, but still have the original text and I don't know. It's, uh, just doesn't seem right to me to, 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 to do that, you know, cause, uh, you know, once you start doing that, then, then certain things start getting banned and, you know, it's a slippery slope. Oh, but, uh, anyway, um, I got some other news here. Oh, um, before we get talking about trailers, I got a couple other things here. Have you heard, and I, I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I heard this on the Comic Conspiracy Podcast. Did you hear that there is possibly uh, a return of Dick Tracy, uh, either as a TV show or as a movie? Okay, because I heard another thing, and I don't know if I'm being like played or not. So here you you go first and I'll double check this. Okay, so from what uh, they were saying on the Common Conspiracy, uh, Warren Beatty own still has the rights uh, to um, Dick Tracy. Um, so basically, Warren Beatty's been sitting on this, and he's the reason why there hasn't been more Dick Tracy stuff. Apparently, in 2010, I think it was. He did like a half hour special uh, on uh, Turner Classic Movies uh, where, oh, who was it? It was a film critic. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on who it was. Uh, but he was like interviewing Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. And so basically like Dick Tracy made an appearance on this half hour show so that secured the rights again again for another however many years for Warren Beatty so he's you know he had to do something with the character in order to keep the rights so he did this the special and apparently he did another one just like last month or maybe it was this month yep. again on Turner Classic Movies um where Warren Beatty the actor is actually doing like a zoom call with dick tracy the character and apparently dick tracy is a you know in this scenario is a real person who was a consultant on the movie he didn't like what warren Beatty did with the movie warren Beatty says he didn't like what he did with the movie and they're gonna work to you know using air quotes gonna work together to to do another dick tracy project which will be more from what they were saying it's going to be more, uh, like, realistic. Like, it's not going to be cartoony like the 90s movie is, which I think was fantastic. I loved that. I loved the Dick Tracy movie, the 1990 movie. I loved it. It was, you know, I love the colors. I love, you know, the characters, you know, the actors. I think Al Pacino was amazing um, as, as Big Boss. Um uh, you know, uh, Paul Servino's, uh, lips, um, oh, I can't remember his name. Um, 
and of course, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think Madonna's ever been more beautiful than in that movie. Uh, and Warren Beatty, uh, I think, was fantastic as uh, Dick Tracy. And uh, uh, Chief O'Brien was uh, was a cop in that movie. He, he only had one scene, but uh, Cole Meany was, was in that. And, uh, you know, I always wondered why they didn't do more. You know, like, because I remember... The summer of 1990, you know, Dick, you know, I remember the toys. I remember, you know, the McDonald Happy Meals. Um, you know, maybe they didn't do as well in the box office, but I would think, you know, they did well enough to, to warrant a sequel. Um, you know, like I think of, you know, uh, you know, because it was right, you know, it came out the same year as Ninja Turtles. I think Ninja Turtles came out in May, and I want to say Dick Tracy came out in, like, July. Um and then there was like this resurgence of Dick Tracy stuff, you know, like I, you know, I have a book, uh, you know, Dick Tracy's most celebrated cases. Um, oh, which, which company was that? One of the comic book companies was re-releasing Dick Tracy comics. Um, and I, I bought a bunch of those and the toys were, were fantastic because they were the same scale as the Ninja Turtles. You could have the, Dick Tracy figures interacted with the Ninja Turtle figures, and and it worked. Um, but yeah, I would love to see Dick Tracy come back um, as as a you know even an HBO series. I would love to see it done uh, as a serious you know character, like you know have it take place in the forties or whatever or thirties with you know these. You know, like, I, I know you can't, you know, like, to make it somewhat more realistic, you can't really have, you know, a guy called the Brow, who has, like, three brows. Um, you could have a flat top guy. You could have a prune face guy. Um, but some of the goofy characters you might have to just kind of not have as prevalent. But uh, anyway, Kevin, uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? So I didn't realize until this uh, recently that he pulled it before in 2010, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's straight up to keep the copyright. Yeah. And he he and Tribune, um, which is the the comic strip um, agency or whatever it's called there, have gone back and forth about it. And I guess Tribune did a bankruptcy and they're like, we have this character that's worth millions but we can't do anything with yeah and as long as Warren Beatty makes something Dick Tracy every so often I think it's every 10 years at least yeah um then he has the character so him doing these stupid little specials and throwing it up there retains the character like for what you know there's no merchandise there's no comics the, the comic strip might still be going on um i think it is but i'm not totally sure um but like you're not getting anything from it he just i, I don't know if he just wants to own it because it's like his favorite thing and he just wants to have it so no one else can but i mean it's not profitable yeah you know so like it's not an investment but for some reason he doesn't want anyone else to have it and uh, Dick Tracy goes public domain, I think, before the next 
time that this is up. So if if by doing this stunt, Ward Beatty has it like ten more years, I think Dick Tracy goes public domain before that is mm-hmm. up. So this is his last time to do it. Yeah. But I mean, also Ward Beatty's eighty five. Like, why are you hanging on to this? You're yeah. not going to do it. The only stuff he's going to do are these jokey things to keep the rights. Like he's 80, he's not going to do a movie. If he was going to sign off to do like a cartoon or a video game or anything else, he would have. Mm-hmm. And that movie was not like, I I don't know. You had the toys, you had all sorts of stuff. The colors are amazing. It looks really cool, but it's more like, In, in a way, it's here's an adult version of a four color comic, mm-hmm. um, while still being a bright four crazy four color comic. Yeah, but it's definitely more adult. I haven't watched it all the way through, but I've you know watched like bits and pieces over the years. I'm like, this is a lot more tr- mature than I remember it being, and a lot more mature than I should have had toys for. Yeah. But still, I'm like, I like it for just how crazy it is. There's nothing that looks like that movie, really. Nope. You know, like, just the the colors, the action, the style for it. I agree with what you're saying for Madonna, like, probably her most beautiful on screen. Yeah, because they were were actually dating at the time. Or whatever you want to call it, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she just sells the, the role, too. Yep. Like camera loves her throughout that movie and everything. Um, but I, I don't know. He It's either his favorite character. It'd be like me buying Speedball. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I own my favorite character. This is so cool. It's either that or someone just pissed him off in the filming and he's like, I'm going to show you. Yeah. I'm going to keep this or no one else can have it. Yeah, because, like, I, I haven't watched the most recent, like, the Dick Tracy Zoom call thing. Um, but from what it kind of sounds like, he didn't, he was not a fan of the first movie. So I don't know if there was studio interference. Maybe that's why, you know, he's holding on to it. Um, like you said, maybe he's got a, a grudge. Um, but, yeah, I, I would I would love to see something done with this character. Um but you know we'll have to we'll have to wait and see I guess. Um, all right. So again, before uh, I got two more things, uh, and 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 if you have anything, Kevin, by all means. Um, so according to Wikipedia, and I, I just found this out, uh, they're listing Luke Skywalker as being gay on Wikipedia, uh, along I'm- with. Along with Obi Wan Kenobi or woke, <laughs> I, I well, I'm assuming Wikipedia, but maybe it was Wikipedia. I don't know. Um, and along with Obi Wan, Lando, and Grand Moff Tarkin. Um. So, I just never. I don't understand why we have to make these characters like why we have to sexually identify them when it wasn't 
specifically stated. Um, like Grand Moff Tarkin, I have no idea. You know, uh, Sky like Luke, I I always assumed he was you know uh, a street guy, uh, just based on the fact that you know in the first Star Wars he sees Princess Leia, who he doesn't know is his sister at the time, sees this princess and oh she's beautiful, you know, and he seems intrigued by her. And then, you know, in the second movie, when she kisses him, you know, he seems, you know, pretty happy about it. You know, like he's, you know, you know, he leans back, puts his arms behind his head, you know, kind of bragging to Han. Um, again, this is before he found out this was his sister. Um, and and in the, exp you know, the original, you know, now they call it Legends, but the original Expanded Universe, uh, he married Mara Jade, and, and uh, who was a strong female character and she and she was an awesome uh, female character um but apparently you know somebody just went in and and decided to, to 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 do this without consulting anybody and i mean to each their own like i mean if 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 you know if if you're you know uh you know a, a, a gay man or or whatever and you see luke skywalker and you say that you know he's one of ours by all means you know but don't go in and, and ch you know, try and change it for everybody. Um, again, you know, it's kind of like the whole censorship thing. Like, uh, you know, going in and, and changing things and everyone has to accept it. I, I, I don't I don't agree with that. Um, like, Obi-Wan, I don't think was gay. Like, again, they never really stated, you know, one way or the other. Um I know in the Clone Wars he was with um oh um Bo Katan's sister. Like that you know, they, there was this love uh relationship and then she, she gets spoilers for, you know, fifteen year old show, but uh she gets killed by um uh Darth uh, Maul. Um But uh you know, I, I, I just don't like you know people going in and, and saying no this is the way it's going to be going forward um you know if you want to you know if, like i said if, if that's how you want to identify him by all means you know but uh this you know changing it for everybody i don't agree with um so to go off on a kind of a related tangent to explain my thought process here um up in Canada, we used to have uh, a kid's television show called Mr. Dress-Up. He was basically yeah. like our version of, of uh, Mr. Rogers, right? Yep. I I got him on the, the Canadian channels when I was growing up. Okay. So well, well familiar. So he uh, originally, he had two puppets with him, uh, Casey and Finnegan. Uh, Finnegan yep. was a dog, a puppet dog. And Casey... you. I honestly didn't even think about this until years later when I saw uh, a documentary about uh, Mr. Dressup done by the CBC. The original puppeteer, I can't remember her name, um, but she was the puppeteer for Casey and Finnegan. And she said, uh, you know, when she, you know, when, you know, a, a kid would find out who she was, you know, if it was a boy or a girl, uh, she would, you know, she, they would ask her, you know, is Casey a boy or a girl? Because 
they don't really stay state on the show whether Casey's a boy or girl. Because Casey could be a boy's name and could be a girl's name. And her answer was always well, what what do you think? Who what do you think Casey is? And uh, you know, she said typically a girl would say, "Well, I think Casey's a girl." So, and she would say, "You're right. She is a girl." And if it was a boy, typically the boy would say, "You know, I th- I think Casey's a boy." And then she would say, well, "You're right. She he is a boy." So he kind of, you know she left it up to them to to them to decide for themselves who Casey was, you know, gender wise. Um, and she, you know, she never really said, um, uh, what she thought Casey was, but, you know, she left that up to the, to the children to decide, um, for themselves. And that's how I feel about this. Like, you know, if, you know, like, I honestly don't think there's anything in the movies to suggest one way or another you know, if Luke Skywalker was gay, or if Obi-Wan was gay, or Grand Moff Tarkin was gay. Um, but if that's how you want to identify them as, go ahead. But, you know, forcing this identity onto the characters, I don't agree with that. Uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on this? So you, you bringing up the Casey thing actually kind of fits with um, stuff I was going to say before he brought it up too. So it just works well. Um, the Casey one, like growing up, I thought it was a boy. It's a boy named Casey. Mm-hmm. And when I was at college and, you know, we're just randomly talking about like old, you know, cartoons we used to watch as a kid or whatever. And Mr. Dressup came up. That was the first time that I heard people saying, no, Casey's a girl. And then we're, we're looking back and all it's like, well, it is, an androgynous looking puppet named mm-hmm. Casey. Yep. But it, then we're like, well, honestly, that's kind of brilliant for a kid watching it. You get whatever you want. Yep. And we, like, none of us were mad and none of us thought I'm wrong and you're right. Or, you know, I'm right. You're wrong. Whatever. We're just like, wow, what a brilliant thing for a kid show. Yep. It's a puppet. So it doesn't matter. Yep. It's a puppet, but you can see whatever you want in it. We're like, that's brilliant. That's really cool. Um, and and apparently Mark Hamill said something in an interview. Uh, what was it 2016? Let me see. I still have it up here. Um, I've had fans ask me, could Luke be gay? I say. It is meant to be interpreted by the viewer. If you think Luke is gay, of course he is. You shouldn't be ashamed by it. Judge mm-hmm. Luke by his character, not by who he loves. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah, if you're watching this fictional thing and for you, you know, that's what comes across, it's a fictional story. If you can back it up or if, you, if that's what you're getting, then that's your truth for that story. Yeah. Um, I, I remember... You know, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what book or conversation, but we we're discussing a book at a, in a class at college. And I'm like, well, I thought this. And the professor said, why did you think that? And I said, well, because of this on this page and this on this page and this on this page. And he goes, those are three well thought out points and you can back it up in the book. You're correct. Mm-hmm. It's like I never thought of it before. It's not my interpretation of it, but you, you back it up. It's, it's just as valid as mine or any other thought out opinion here. It doesn't mean anyone's right or wrong. 
it's your interpretation of the literature. Yeah. So if someone's watching any of this and they're like, oh, here's what I think it is, and they can back it up too. Well, I think this character is this because X, Y, and Z. Okay, cool. It doesn't really matter. Now, the reason why it's being added to Wikipedia here is apparently there's a, a short story came out and this writer's known for doing this pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so he, he has a story where Luke feels uh, he's younger and he feels some sort of attraction to another guy. He doesn't do anything. There's nothing physical. There's nothing really romantic, but just like, yeah. Oh, I feel something. All right. Well, what are you feeling? Are you, you know, are you Luke Skywalker and, uh, you know, a pilot walks by you that has been just traveling around space and you're like, wow, he looks so cool and so awesome. And I wish I could do that and all. And, you know, look at how attractive he is and look how strong he is and all. All right. Is that gay or is it like a hero worship thing? You know, well, two people could probably make either point. You know, um, but I don't. I I think one person using their example for a short story in a random book does not necessarily make this canon for the character. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, if you're going to do like something like that, yeah, like why not go to the source that would know? Um, like you can ask Mark Hamill for sure, because he might actually know um, one way or like, I mean, he says, you know, whatever you whatever you think is is, you know, who he is. Um, so but I mean, the guy to, to ask would be George Lucas. You know, he created the character. Um and he might say no. He's, you know, he's he's straight. You know, he had a girl. You know, he had a girlfriend, but we never talked about her. You know, prior to him leaving Tatooine, or, or maybe he'll say, yeah, he, you know, I would have, I would have made him gay. You know, but we didn't have time, and it just never happened. I didn't think it was important for the story. Well, and and it depends on. I think distance from the original creator says a lot too. Um, Richter and Shatterstar in X Force uh, mm. ended up being a gay couple, and it was heavily hinted at for years before they finally got the green light to like go ahead for it. Yeah. So, if you knew, you knew, but someone not realizing it could read the story and not have a clue and not pick up on it, you know. Yeah. But if you knew, it was obvious. And Rob Liefeld said something. He goes, I never created that character to be gay. And whoever was writing the story at the time said, well, there's lots of parents that could say that, you know, they never thought their kid would be gay. But as characters grow and change, they kind of evolve. Yeah. And I thought, oh, shit, that's a really good point. You know, as these characters grow and change, they can devolve into something else that's not necessarily what the original creator thought it would be. Um, but also, like, we're talking about things in space, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if we really break it down, Lando is absolutely pansexual. I could even make an argument for Kirk, because if you're fucking aliens, and in theory, the anatomy is not completely the same as humans... Mm-hmm. 
then there's, you know, we're, we're in some other territory here now. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not in, uh, we're not necessarily in straight territory. Once we're, once we start having sex with aliens. Yeah. It's definitely something different. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what it is. But I feel like at that point, you know, we we can't really say like, you know, your heterosexual straight common earth relationship here. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, when they when they go like another example, I'll throw out there, and I've mentioned this before. Um, on Star Trek Beyond, the the last, you know, newer movie. Um, you know, Sulu's gay, uh, in that movie. Cause you see his husband, you see his daughter, uh, which, you know, we assume is uh, Demora. Uh, I, maybe they mentioned her name. I don't know. But it was the, the, the younger version of the character that we saw in Star Trek Generations. And they did this. Um, and, you know, they were patting themselves on the back, you know, oh, you know, you know, uh, Sulu's always been, you know, LGBT you know, Q, whatever. Um, and George Takai, who is a gay man himself, he spent many years, you know, hiding it, you know, because for many years, you know, it wasn't socially acceptable. You know, it could cost you jobs. It could cost you, uh, you know, uh, ridicule. So he kept, you know, he kept his sexuality private up until I want to say like 2005 or 2004, when he came out on the Howard Stern show. Um, but when they did this on Star Trek Beyond, he, he was against it. He said, no, Sulu's not gay. Sulu is straight. And they asked him, well, well, well you know, why? Like, we, you know, like, we know he has a daughter, but I mean, a gay couple can adopt a daughter or, or have a surrogate or, or whatever. Um, and he said, no, like Gene Roddenberry and I talked about it. Gene Roddenberry said that, uh, you know, he was going to be, or was married, um, to a woman and they had, they had children and actually George Takai himself, uh, wrote a, a couple comic books for, for DC when DC had the license for Star Trek about, uh, you know, Sulu's, uh, uh, you know, love interest, you know, this woman and, and, and I think it was the first annual in the nineties series, the early nineties series. I think he co-wrote it with Peter David. And then I want to say they did it in the eighties too, maybe as an annual, the same story. But George Takai said like, you know, like I'm not Sulu, like, you know, cha you know, making this character gay because the actor, the original actor is gay is, you know, I don't agree with that. Uh, you know, Sulu straight. I'm not. He's a character I play. I'm not him. Um, so it kind of backfired on him, you know, because those, you know, the, you know, bad robot, you know, like they were pat patting themselves on the back, thinking they, you know, you know, did good and, you know, but it's like George, the guy was like, no, like that's not the character. Um, so yeah, just, change you know changing characters for the sake of changing them like i know uh it was kind of like with with dumbledore you know um 
when uh, uh, what's her uh, J.K. Rowling, you know, said, yeah, Dumbledore's gay. You know, like it wasn't something that came up in the books, uh, the original books. I think it's come up in the new movies. I've, I haven't watched. Them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she, it was just something she threw out there. Like, yeah, you know, that's who he was. And that's coming from from the writer. You know, like, so absolutely like that. That's acceptable. But, to, you know, like Gene Roddenberry, like he had this whole backstory that he worked out with George Takai. And that's not Sulu. So, you know, like I, I understand, um, you know, we live in a, in a, in a time now where, um, you know, it's more socially acceptable for people to be who they are, you know, and, and I'm all for that. Uh, but changing characters just for the sake, uh, you know, uh, like that's, I, I don't agree with that. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, changing, you know, Luke Skywalker for that, because of that one story. Yeah. It's again, I don't, uh, you know, don't agree with that. But anyway, I think we got really political tonight. I, I <laughs> totally didn't mean to get political. Um, and again, I, I just quickly want to say I have nothing against gay characters at all. You know, that's not the issue for me. Um, I just don't like, you know, changing characters for the sake of changing characters and making, you know, the rest, everyone else have to fall in line. You know, I think Mark, like what you were saying, Kevin, Mark Hamill said it best, you know, like if, if that's how you identify Luke, it's never established in the show, in the movies, then, then go, go with it by all means. Um, all right. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Kevin, your thoughts on the flash trailer and the guardians three trailer. Both of those movies, I think, look really good, based on the trailers. I was actually surprised with the Flash. Like, I wasn't surprised. Like, I like I heard Michael Keaton was going to be in it. I was super excited. You know, you're doing a multiverse story, so having Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck in the movie, I think, is brilliant. Um, I don't know how I feel about two Ezra Millers, but uh, we'll see. Um, it actually looks pretty good. You know, uh, it's just, you know, too bad that it's been pushed back so much. And, you know, everything that Ezra Miller's done, um, you know, definitely didn't help the movie. Um, but uh, I actually thought it looked really, really well. And same with the Guardians 3, 3 trailer. Um, I haven't seen Ant-Man yet, uh, but I've not heard great things about it. So I think I'm going to wait on that one. Which is the second time in a row. Like I did, I, I, I still haven't finished Wakanda Forever, and Ant Man and the Wasp, and Quantumania. I think I'll just wait. I, I'll probably go see it when it comes to my local, but I'm not making that trip to the city that I would have made. But I think I will be making it for Guardians Three, just because you know, based on the trailers, I think it looks fantastic. But Kevin, what are your thoughts on the Flash and, and Guardians trailers? Okay. Um, the trailer for Flash, I am not excited for a Flash movie with Batman in it. 
However, the trailer, I am excited for a Batman movie with the Flash in it. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it seems like they're doing, probably because of Ezra Miller. Yes. Let's kind of shift this and make it look more like a Batman movie that the Flash is in than a Flash starring movie. So if Ezra Miller screws up again or can't be counted on, you could have Michael Keaton do all the press and interviews and all that stuff. Because it's now a Batman movie. Um, so brilliant spin on their part. And I'm excited to see another Michael Keaton Batman movie with some other heroes in it. That Supergirl looks amazing in it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not quite the classic Supergirl, but looks so cool. Well, you know, I'm very I, curious about it. I'm assuming she's playing the... Because this is basically a Flashpoint adaption, from what yeah. I understand. And then she's going to play, like, the Superman character in that story because superman was just like a teenager right yeah being experimented on by the government yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and and it would shock me if there's some surprises in there too but Mm -hmm. you know i I, i'm excited for this batman team-up movie um and well done spin on their part yeah um guardians absolutely looks like it's the end which it is supposed to be yeah um, I know I'll enjoy it. I know I'll really get a kick out of it. I know soundtrack will be great. I know there'll be some amazing humor in it. Um, but I'm going to it because I'm already sold on Guardians and Marvel. Like the trailer looks nice, but it didn't really like sell me on it. Mm-hmm. I was already going to go see it, but it wasn't like, oh my god, I need to see this today. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Um, but, uh, you know, like what they did with the Christmas special definitely got me, you know, like to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing what they do. Yeah. Um, no, I, I did go see Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, but because you haven't, oh, I... you go right ahead. I, I already know we could, we can, you can talk spoilers, Kev. Um, by all means. Well, I'm not going to talk spoilers for other people. Um, I liked it. It is absolutely like, you know, as, as everyone's been saying for the last two years, let's say, for Marvel stuff, what the heck is going on? What's happening? Yep. It's now time. Like, now we're running. And Ant-Man is like, all right, we set up everything. You still don't know how pieces are going to fall together but we have set up everything. Now it's time for the story to start. The story's Kang for the next five years. Now it's time to do it. And I'm like, oh, this was really interesting. Like, we're we're setting up Kang, we're setting up these ideas, these concepts, but we're running with it, we're showing the danger of it. You know, like, I was really enjoying the heck out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then someone pointed out, and I can't remember who, or I would get credit, Someone said, it's not an Ant-Man movie, it's a Fantastic Four movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, yeah. Ant-Man Wasp, and then classic Ant-Man Wasp, you know, Michael Douglas and, and Michelle Pfeiffer there. Yeah. Plus Ant-Man's kid. I was like, yeah, it's Fantastic Four. You know, like, pick who is each character there, and then I guess the kid is Franklin Richards, maybe. Yeah. You know, but I was like, yeah, this really is Fantastic Four stories. But, you know, the the 
new location, the new concept in our Marvel universe here of quantum realm. And we're the ones that explore it for the first time. Yeah. And scientific mumbo jumbo that is crazy and out there. And even, even for, you know, on the borderlines of our real world physics of these are things that theoretically might happen, but we don't know. And we're forever away from knowing if it's a thing, but we kind of have this concept out here and all. You know, like that's what Fantastic Four should be. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, on the Fantastic Four should be the ones always finding the new stuff in Marvel. Yeah. It, it, you know, so like a lot of Batman, I'm like, yeah, I, I could see that being what it is. Um, the, the people were mad for, uh, it's not the actress that it was before for, um, is it Cassie? Cassie, yeah. Cassie Lang, yeah. Not the actress was before. This actress really good though. I really enjoyed the heck out of her in it. Yeah, one of um, the complaints I heard though, and it's not, the actress but the the writing of the character was that like she's playing like this activist you know care you know like the uh daughter right and yeah. apparently she like like is constantly like dissing him like dissing ant-man for you know well, why aren't you doing more what you know like the dude literally saved helped save the world in endgame you know what i mean like i, th- I think he's entitled to just chill for a bit so I, 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 I heard that uh, she got kind of annoying in the with the disrespect towards her dad. Um, I didn't, I didn't have it come across that way. Oh, okay. Um, because she, she does. There, there's stuff like around dinner table and all where, yeah, you know, she's, and I, I mean, the actress is in her early mid twenties. So I'm not quite sure how old she's supposed to be in here in the movie, like 17, 18, 19, maybe, you know, not quite sure. Um, but absolutely that the teenage rebellion against her parents age though. Um, which is fine. I get it. But I think for her, for that teenage part of her, you have her grandparents and her her stepmom and Hope that are actually trying to do things to make the world better. Scientific innovation, mm-hmm. charity work, you know, donations, um, you know, using their financial resources to make things better. And her dad, who has actually saved the world... It's just like, meh, I'm going to write a little book and do some book tour classes and I'm going to get free coffee and just kind of hang out and do, I'm going to enjoy being famous and not actually do anything. Even though I could, I could use my status, my money, my whatever to actually do good in the world, not as a superhero, but just as a person. But I'm just not gonna, because yeah. I, you know, it, it not saying he doesn't care, but I'm just not. Like it, it just it doesn't interest him. He's enjoying what he's doing, yeah, 
or yeah, maybe feels like, Hey, I already saved the world. What more do I have to do? Mm-hmm. But she's like, okay, stepmom here saved the world too. And she's still out there every day. Yeah. So what's your excuse? So then when they get to the quantum verse, they're seeing a similar situation where she was like, Hey, these people are kicked out of their homes and they have nothing. So what can we do to help them? And then the quantum verse, she's seeing people kicked out of their homes and have nothing. And it's like, oh, this can happen anywhere. Hey, Dad, are you ready to do something now? Mm-hmm. And, all right, so you're willing to help this other universe that we are guests in, but you couldn't do the same thing to help people where we live? Mm-hmm. And I got it. I was like, okay, this makes sense. Hey, you know, why am I as the kid doing more to make our home a better place that you as the hero with resources that could actually do something. Yeah. So I, I didn't see it as, because I, I mean, believe me, an actual like smart ass disrespectful teen in the movie or TV show at this point, like I'm, I'm past, you know, I'm, I'm not the age where I could identify with that or, or think I was seeing myself or my friends in it. Like now it's, pisses me off yeah i'm like what a disrespectful kid but that is not how it came across to me at all okay it's just like you like you are a hero i mean it, it's spider-man great power great responsibility in a way like you mm-hmm. have this power where's the responsibility yeah you know it's it's almost uh um, green lantern green arrow what was it hard driving heroes hard riding heroes whatever there yeah i've seen you say the blue people the purple people the green people but what have you ever done for the black people yeah you know, um, it, it, i i think that was where she was coming from with it yeah and and that kind of makes sense i kind of wish and that's the problem with with the marvel connectivity is at the end of endgame you know, like, you know, when they're going to send Cap back and, you know, to, to take all the stones back, you see that they're, you know, cleaning up the Avengers compound. Like, they got, you know, uh, you know, uh, loaders and stuff like that in the background, you know, doing the cleanup. Um, I always assumed, like, after the endgame, like, the Avengers were still going to be a thing, you know, like, especially in, like, in Shang-Chi, when you had that scene where you seen you know, Bruce Banner and Captain Marvel and Juan. Um, no, they, no, they were with Juan, but there was somebody else. Uh, I can't, rem- Oh crap. I can't remember who it was. Um, but I just assumed like they were still doing like Avenger stuff, you know, but we just didn't see it. So I was kind of hoping like Ant-Man, you'd see him maybe doing some Avenger stuff, you know, but, I guess not. I, you know, like I, I know they want to save that for the upcoming movies, but you know, it's just one of those little nitpick things. You know, it's like when they when they made Iron Man three, I'm like, where's why doesn't he just call the Avengers and get them to help him? You know, but uh, another complaint I heard about about this film was that uh, like I like I say complaint, but I've also heard people the same people say this is the best Ant Man movie. Um, but I heard like one of the things that people complained about, one of the things they loved about the first Ant-Man movie and the second Ant-Man movie is seeing him shrink down in the real world. So there, so you have some, you know, perspective, like seeing, you know, a 
when he shrinks down and like him and uh, Yellow Jacket are having that fight in the first movie, and he, they shrink down and like that Thomas the Tank Engine comes at them, and it sounds yeah. like a real train, and then you see it from like a normal person perspective, and it's just this little toy train that falls over after it hits them. Um, you know, people like that, but they said with this movie it was hard because like he would still shrink down and stuff, but because they were in the quantum realm. You know, like, there was no perspective. It wasn't like, you know, him in the bathtub, you know. Um, you know, when Michael Pena was, was trying to have a shower or whatever. Um, and then, again, another complaint I heard was that Michael Pena's not in this movie. Um, no, and you don't... I, I didn't... I was enjoying the movie, and I didn't realize till after. I'm like, oh, yeah, all of your crew there is not in this movie. You know, Scott Lang's ex, his uh, con man crew. Well, isn't it? There, I, I heard the one guy's in it. Um, oh, he, he played the polka dot man in the Suicide Squad. Because he, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Um, but he was part of the crew, too. But I heard he was in this movie, maybe briefly. I mean, if it was, it was so brief, I missed it. Because I, well, and I also heard, like, his, you know, like, being in the real world is, like, only a few minutes. Like, most of this film takes place in the quantum realm. Yeah, it jumps in there pretty quick, and there's yeah. a, it bookends. Yeah. Like, then the, you know, main world at the beginning and the end. But, yeah, no, I like I said, I'm not going to make a special trip to go see it, but I am going to go see it. I mean, I do love Paul Rudd. You know, he's... Paul Rudd's great, uh, you know. Um, he, he does age, though. Like, you know, people say that he's <laughs> ageless, but I just seen, uh, I was over at my, my daughter's last night for supper, and uh, she was watching Friends, and it just happened to be the, the, the episode where he first appears on Friends. And I was like, wow. I mean, he still looks good, don't get me wrong, but it's like, he looks so young back then. And this was like probably 2002, I want to say, when he when he started guesting on Friends. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I I you know he's fantastic. I love Paul Rudd. Um, so yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm glad you liked it, Kevin, and I, I'm definitely gonna go see it. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, did did you have anything else to add, Kev? I, I mean, the funny thing is, I did, and I've completely forgotten now, because we've talked about it so much. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, no, I didn't mean the bad way at all. I just, I cannot remember. Uh, well, okay, well, I think um, we'll move on to our brain candy segment. So this is the segment, ladies and gentlemen, if, this, if you haven't heard our podcast before, this is where we talk about things that we're reading, watching, listening to, stuff that we're putting in our, into our brain. That's why we call it brain candy. And then typically we'll we'll give it a pick or a pan um, to let you know, is it worth your time? Um, so, Kev, what do you got this week for brain candy? All right, so I'm not, I haven't done the most, most recent one because that would have just aired yesterday, so I have to wait for it on my Hulu. Um, but I, I am thoroughly enjoying the new Night Court. If I oh. haven't mentioned it, before yeah um 
first first two episodes was set up, you know, kind of the pilot and all, and especially when you're talking about a franchise that does go back to the eighties, you gotta acknowledge that and then move forward. Yeah. But once they acknowledge it and start moving forward, like the cast is really starting to open up and you know, you're starting to see who they are and their interaction and loosen up a little bit. I'm like, this could be really fun. And it won't quite be the original show. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, this could be something. And one of my favorite things for Night Court back then, too, was not main cast, but like recurring guest characters, mm-hmm. you know, in the background or in the court or whatever. Yeah. And uh, one of them, and I, I'm not entirely sure what he does on the show. I know he does, you know, something for the show. Maybe he's, you know, um, you know, in, in production or script or whatever. Like, I don't know. But I listen to a wrestling podcast that he does just mm-hmm. for fun. And he mentioned, oh, yeah, I'm working on Night Court. And I, I, I'm in the background in one of the first episodes. And then they liked me, so I'm going to be in the background some more. I'm like, all right, cool. And... every time he shows up now, I'm losing it. And I message him right away. And I was like, this is just too damn funny. And, you know, he's not, he doesn't have lines. He's just like a regular in the background for it. And I was like, well, shit. I remember, you know, watching Night Court and I'm like, oh my God, that's Brett Spiner. Yep. Like, this is too damn funny to see him on here. And just, you know, that, that was some of the stuff I loved about Night Court. And I don't know how much Night Court you watched at all, but if they do an episode where they need to get through, like, all of the cases by midnight again, I love those episodes, when they're just rapid-firing through everything. Well, yeah, I I remember the one episode, because Dan, I can't remember her name, but, um, oh, uh, the, the other lawyer, um. Marky Post. Marky Post. um, I can't remember Christine Christine Sullivan. Yes, yes. Where she like made an agreement with Dan, like she would sleep with him if they could get through something by a certain time period, and then he's just like rambling on, like trying to get through this case, like so he's speed reading through it and he just makes it, but then you know, of course they don't sleep together, but um no, I Night Court was one of those shows that was on five days a week when I wanna say early 90s um you know like i used to watch it was after school so like i think it was like 4 30 to 5 would be night court um from 5 till 5 30 i think was cheers and then 5 30 to 6 was golden girls so you know the i i would watch those like five days a week and and i think from four till four thirty was wkrp in cincinnati so i think that was the the lineup of shows uh golden girls and wkrp were on cbc uh cheers night court were on ctv um so yeah i switch back and forth and watch those shows but yeah i, I love night court and i was gonna ask you uh like you've seen have you seen all the episodes this season so far um, one just went up on Hulu today, okay, so I didn't get a chance to watch it today. Has other, Brent, has other than the brand, did uh, Brent Spiner show up at all? No, no, okay, no, because I'm saying because uh, he 
he was uh, like a redneck. Yeah, he was the hillbilly guy. You know, yeah, him and his wife. Yeah, so no, yeah. He, it, no, the only person from the original that showed up at all in any format is John Larroquette as Dan Fielding. Oh, okay. Uh, but he's on the show. He's yeah, you know, first second star of the show, you know, depending on your opinion there. Yeah, um, he's the only one, and honestly. Let the show find itself before you start doing, you know, guest appearances and callbacks and stuff like that. Yeah. No, I yeah. just well, I just figured for sure that Brent Spiner would show up, but um, and he might still. But I like uh, it's funny because my wife and I were just talking. Well, we saw we were watching Dateline on the PVR prior to recording, and they had commercials for for Night Court because it's on NBC. Um. And I, I was thinking, like, I wonder if Brent Spiner's going to be on this. Because, you know, whenever he showed up, it was always hilarious. And, yeah. um, but I looked at his IMDb, and there's nothing listed for him for, for Night Court 2023. So, no, and but uh, it's just starting. Yeah, and, and I can tell, because, I mean, this was a mid-season replacement, so it's probably only going to get, like, 13 episodes or so yeah. for first season. It has been picked up for a second season, though. Um, there's a plot going on with the judge that I'm like, I already know where this is going. Mm-hmm. It, at, at least for this season. Like, I know where the story's going to end, and then I'm curious what they'll do next. Yeah. It's, it, it's, like, in the background, but it's obvious they're building up until it blows up, though. Yeah. But... A good cast. Um, the bailiff is really a combination of Bull and Roz. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I could see the cast expanding at some point, like maybe the stenographer or something like that. Yeah. It's it's a good mix. They got a good setup quicker than the original one because the original one took like three seasons to finally get everyone good. Yeah. Um, but I been enjoying the hell out of it like I, I i was planning on watching it today and time just got away from me so that's you know like i i want to watch it as soon as i can and i don't really Excellent. have another comedy i'm doing that for um i started the newest season of letter kenny freaking hysterical yeah um trying uh, first episode it sounds so stupid but god it was so funny um, trying to decide what the best chip is, and they have a town meeting to decide it. <laughs> and and it's, it's like, all right, all right, I have one thing to say: salt and vinegar. Oh, geez, and everyone's reacting to it all. <laughs> They're just having this long debate, but it's not. It's not about the chips and the way it's being written. It's like. You know, it's it's obvious that they're saying chip instead of, you know, whatever else that they're talking about that's important in life. Yeah. You know, but it was so damn funny. Uh, the spinoff Shorzy finally got a second season, which I'm so excited for because I love the way the first season ended. Um, and then through certain means, I've been watching the Crave channel. Oh, okay. God, that's... A fantastic background channel. Like I can just put it on. Yeah. And I I might be doing something else. I might be reading something. I might be you know doing laundry, getting dinner ready, whatever you know, whatever zoning out, whatever it might be. Or even if I fall asleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, ooh, that's on Crave tonight. I'm gonna watch that. Even or even just like I'm gonna just watch this until the first commercial. You know, just to kind of enjoy it for a bit, or or 
you know, I got a half hour before wrestling's on. Let me watch this. Yeah. Like, what a... And I'm not saying I'll watch everything on there, but there's a lot on there. I'm like, I like this. I like this, too. I like this as well. We don't have a channel like this in the States anymore, because Sci-Fi Channel is not this anymore. Yeah. Excellent. Um, yeah, just fun. And and uh, last, just last thing for my, you know, brain candy, what I'm sure. consuming yeah. here thing. Um, continuing my first read of Sandman, list, uh, reading while I'm listening to a podcast that's discussing it and breaking it down and all. And this week I just finished the second graphic novel, which was The Doll's House. And that's, Excellent. God, there's so much in that. And I, again, I can't watch the show until December when I'm done with this read. Then I'll finally watch a Netflix show. Excellent. Maybe season two will be out by then. I can go watch That's what I'm two. wondering. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, for me, for this week, uh, a couple things. Um, so I I did start Star Trek Picard. I watched the first episode. Episode two comes out tomorrow at the time of this recording. Um, it's actually not bad. Like, honestly, the episode one of season three, I think should have been episode one of season one. Like, this is what we kind of wanted okay. from the start. Uh, you know, the, you know, uh, like in this episode, all we, from the original TNG cast, all we see is Picard, Riker, and Crusher, Dr. Crusher. Um, but it's great seeing them back. It's great. You know, I love, um, Riker and Picard together. I love their scenes. We see Seven of Nine, but I don't mind her being on the show. We do see Raffi, another character from Season 1 and 2. Uh, she's We're kind of, you know, seeing where she's going. Uh, I don't want to get too much into this because we are planning on doing a Trek 1701 podcast in a couple nights. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it happens. And we'll talk about Star Trek Picard a little bit more in depth there. Uh, but I will say, so far... You know, I mean, I'm I'm not completely without some nitpicks with this. Uh, I still like it's still very darkly lit as a show. It, that's something that happened, you know, happened with with Kurtzman Trek, uh, with Star Trek Discovery and Strange New Worlds. Like they have like this dark aesthetic to them that I don't really care for uh, because. TNG was always brightly lit. Like, even Deep Space Nine, even though it, you know, they were on a Cardassian station, so it was a little bit darker, uh, it's, you know, a hundred times brighter than this show in terms of, of, of lighting and, and colors and stuff. Um, so it, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. And also, I don't really, you know, because we get to go aboard the titan a in this episode so you know it's it's cool seeing starfleet again um but that i don't like the new bridge designs that they use because they they do this thing in in modern star trek where they don't actually build sets like they'll just have basically it's kind of like um i i don't know what your local news is like but our local news, like basically they have a desk that they sit behind and then it's green screen behind them. Yeah. So they create yeah. like this virtual set. Um, that's basically what they do on Star Trek now. Like they'll have like the, 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 the captain's chair and the first officer's chair. And then they'll have like a few chairs scattered out 
and then the rest of it is all green screen CGI sets. And I I don't like that. I I I'm old fashioned. I like my you know practical sets. Um, you know the that bridge on the USS Titan. You know, and it's just and they make them too big now, and it just I, I don't know. Again, some nitpicky things. Um, again, as with Star Trek Picard, I've mentioned this before. It always seems like every episode someone's being murdered. So there are people getting murdered on this show, the first episode. But I think, and this is going to sound weird, but I think it's, I think I know why people are getting killed in this first episode. Um, but again, I, you know, we'll talk about it more on Trek 1701. But so far, not bad. Uh, a lot of my go-to YouTubers, uh, critics, um, uh, Nerdrotic, uh, Dave Cullen, uh, Rob Meyer Burnett, and uh, uh, the Critical Drinker. All of them. Uh, well, Rob Meyer Burnett has seen the season, all the episodes. He's seen it uh, three times now. He says that he he said, and he does say it's the best Star Trek new Star Trek that's come out um, since you know they started making new Star Trek in two thousand nine. Um, you know, with the J.J. Abrams films, and then now we got Kurtzman Star Trek shows. Uh, he says this is the best since then. And, you know, I, I trust him. And and the, the other uh, uh, other YouTubers I mentioned, they've all seen the first six episodes, I think. And they uh, are all saying it's good. So I'm fingers crossed. I'm hopeful. You know, these guys seem to have a good, you know, uh, pulse on pop culture and on the things that I enjoy. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm I, again, this first episode is not without its flaws. There's, there's a lot of flaws there, but we'll see. Uh, but that also being said, uh, there's a YouTuber called the nitpicking nerd and he does YouTube reviews, uh, of Star Trek Picard. Um, like when I, when I stopped watching Star Trek Picard in season two, I just started watching this guy's videos where he would recap the episodes, but he would do it in a comedic tone. And, um, he's still doing great. Like I still watched, um, his video, even though I watched the episode and it was hilarious. So if, if you're not interested in watching the show, I recommend watching the nitpicking nerd on YouTube reviewing Star Trek Picard. Cause it is comedy gold in my opinion. Uh, last but not least, A&E's, uh, I think, coming back on Sunday nights with WWE content. And because uh, and the reason I know this is because my PVR recorded uh, a, a new episode of A&E WWE Rivals, Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Man, was that <laughs> awesome. Um, I love Andre the Giant. I love Hulk Hogan. You know, the... You know, it brought it brought a tear to my eye, and and I know like Hogan was you know crying at the end of the episode, and I really felt for the guy, you know, because Andre was really a great guy. He was a you know he was a great uh, wrestler, um, you know, when they had him turn heel, um, you know, it just it was just the right time, you know, to to prop up Hogan, and 
you know, I'm watching this and, and you know, because they had interviews with uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. I'm thinking, looking at all these wrestlers and, you know, that aren't with us anymore. And it, and it, it brought a tear to my eye. But uh, A&E, you know, they, they do really good work with uh, WWE. So, like, this, you know, these rival episodes, they have, like, this roundtable discussion with Freddie Prince Jr. and Booker T and JBL and uh, a few other wrestlers come in there. And they talk about, uh, you know, these, this, these rivalries. And then they have, uh, you know, the wrestlers that were involved, like, you know, obviously not Andre, but uh, they do have clips of him doing interviews and stuff uh, back in the 80s and, you know, early 90s. And then, um, you know, they got new interviews with Hogan and they, I mean, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper, his interview, I think was from like 2014. Cause you know, like one thing I'll say about WWE is, uh, you know, Vince McMahon and, and WWE, like, I love the fact that they document all this stuff. Um, and then they can, you know, they have all this, all these documented interviews and clips and all this other stuff that they keep that they can you know, now used in 2023 for, for different projects. So, you know, thankfully, you know, we got, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper on this episode talking about this, you know, Andre and, and Hulk rivalry and, it, and it's a lot of fun. And, um, they also have, uh, biography episodes about wrestlers. Um, so I'm, I just started watching the one about Bill Goldberg. Because uh, Goldberg is one is one of my favorite wrestlers, um, you know, probably my favorite wrestler. You know, like uh, you know, he's definitely on my top five. Um, but as far as like actually like wrestling and strength and stuff, like he's him, Brock Lesnar, probably my two favorites, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I guess and he's back to to doing some wwe stuff on sundays so uh check that out uh, but uh, but kev I, I imagine this stuff is on the wwe network right that you can access um AV deal is different so some of it has shown up there but a lot of it has not oh, okay um and uh i i need to look up where to find all of them too because I've I've seen some of them, but I'm behind on a lot of it, though. Yeah, and, and some of like some of it I bypass because you know like um, they had they had one on Lex Luger, and I've never been a, like a Lex Luger guy, so I just didn't care. So I, I bypassed that one, but you know they got you know like I got uh, Goldberg. I think there's one on the Undertaker. I want to say there's a Hulk Hogan one. Maybe I already watched that one. Um, Triple H. Uh, but the rivalries, like I like last week, I watched the Kane and Undertaker one. That was awesome. Um, oh, uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of good stuff. And I and I love like, like when they do that roundtable discussion. Because, like, I didn't realize Freddie Prince Jr. was a writer, or had been a writer for WWE. Um, yeah. So I think that's awesome, because, you know, like, he's just, like, a, uh, a, like, he became a celebrity, like, acting and all that kind of stuff. 
but he was like a like a fan, kind of like Stephen Amell. Like he was a, such a fan of wrestling um, that he, you know, was able to get in there and become a writer. And and now he's doing this hosting gig through A and E. And you can just tell, like like on this last episode, like he's he said like Andre the Giant's his favorite wrestler. Uh, so he was really excited about this episode. Um, and and you can just feel it, you know, in in, in the discussion. And like I said, it was very touching, a very touching tribute to Andre. Um, and I had mentioned it before, but uh, like you're talking about Crave, uh, on Crave, um, well, I, met, I imagine you're just watching the channel. You're not watching the the uh, the app, right? You're just watching the channel itself? Right. Okay. Right. I was going to say, if you had the app, you could watch the Andre the Giant biography that they did. Um man like that that was that was tough man like that it's such a like such a great documentary about such a wonderful human being um and and uh you know i highly recommend it if i can't remember what it's called now maybe it's just called the giant but um <clears throat> but that came out a couple of years ago whereas this like a and e rivalries it just came out on sunday um, so yeah, I highly recommend checking that out if you're like, like me, I'm not really up to date with current WWE stuff as, as you know, Kev, but I am, you know, like 90, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, uh, wrestling like that, you know, like I'm very interested in that. And, and, uh, you know, I love that A&E's doing all this stuff with them. Um, all right. Well, I, I think we can call this a podcast. Uh, but before we go, Kev, uh, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. And Kevin, where can we find you, sir? Uh, you can find me on most social medias. I'm at MassLibrary. com is my home blog. And uh, occasionally I also do stuff over at the Retro Network. Excellent. Um, as I said... The plan is Trek 1701 is going to be recording in two nights. Fingers crossed. Um, so, irregardless, even if it, the the uh, the Star Trek guys don't get together for Trek 1701, there will be a Trek 1701 episode. Even if it's just me flying solo, I got to share my thoughts on Star Trek Picard because uh, I I have some I have way more. Like I mean, we're already hitting the two hour mark, so and I don't want to keep keep Kevin here. For another two hours but uh you know I, there's a lot to talk about and uh, we'll definitely be talking about that and we'll be talking about star trek voyager which kind of ties in with picard because we see seven of nine in picard so um so be, so yeah be sure to check that out it'll be on this feed at the pop culture pub podcast network wherever you get your podcasts uh all right um i think we'll call this an episode thank you kevin for joining me this evening Really appreciate it, as always, you being here. Um, and I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us uh, talk uh, pop culture. And uh, this is Geek Fallout Reloaded. I was your host, Chris Lockhart, and we will see you again in the not-too-distant future.